Good morning. How are y'all? Oh, I'm so glad. It might rain today. Isn't that exciting? Um, uh, some of you, I guess it already has rained where you live. But but we're, I'm glad uh, to be here with y'all. Welcome, Fellowship Asheville, whether you're joining us here in person or whether you're joining us online. As I have been preparing um, for this service, as I have been praying through... Uh, you know, what's going to be said today, I pray through how I hope as a congregation we respond to Jesus' words, like Matt said, that, that, that I've been praying specifically um, for one area for all of us to get smaller, actually. I know in church sometimes we talk about things wanting to be bigger, and, and, and this today, though, there's something that I want to see get smaller, and I think it's what Jesus alludes to. As a matter of fact, I think um, if this thing in us grows smaller, we actually get to see God as bigger. I think if this thing goes smaller in us, we actually get to see the work of Jesus in our lives and in those around us more clearly. We get to see that as bigger. And so let me ask you before we continue, is that something that y'all want? Do y'all want to see God bigger? Do you want to see the, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in you and in those around you more clearly? If so, great. Thanks for the response. Good job, you guys. Y'all are awake. Great job. Open your Bibles. We're going to be in Mark chapter 4, verses 21 through 34. Um, as you're turning there, whether you open them literally or you open them digitally, uh, we are in the Bible app, and so you can look there. If you look under Events, Fellowship Asheville, the Scripture is there, um, or you can just open any Bible app that you have, and we're in Mark chapter 4. Years ago... When uh, I was, my wife and I, we were hiking with both of our kids, and uh, this is when they were much younger, and as we were hiking, uh, I noticed one of our kids, Luke, was hiking with this tightly fist, like this tightly clutched fist as we were, as we were hiking along. Um, I just noticed it. You know, sometimes when you're walking with a little kid, it's best not to ask what's in their hand immediately, you know, like attention spans being what they are, they'll drop it and pick up something else, so why waste the energy? But, but as we did this hike, he held on to this thing, whatever it was, and I mean like with a tightly clutched fist. And so as the hike was, was coming to an end, I, you know, my curiosity got the best of me, and I was like, Luke, what's, what's in your hand? And he looked at us and he said, a forest. And, you know, I was like, what in the world? So, you know, we kind of continued to make our way out. And I was like, look, he just kept holding on to it. I said, look, show me what's in your hand. And so when we got off the trail, he opened his hand and there was a seed in his hand. Because he understood that if he planted this seed in enough time, there'd be a forest from the seed, which I thought was beautiful. And I share that because what we're going to see today, Jesus is going to talk about seeds. He's going to talk about a lamp, and he's going to talk about seeds. And what we're going to see today is if, if the seed that Jesus talks about, if we let that be planted in our heart and in our soul, it will produce this forest in us of spiritual growth. It'll produce a forest of, of peace and worship and, and, and grace and mercy and kindness and justice and, 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 and goodness. 
right? If we can understand what we're going to see Jesus teach today, I think we'll all be a better people for it. Now, what we're going to see this seed is we're going to see three truths that Jesus is going to talk about. And when we understand those truths, we're going to see a response to it. That seed and that response will grow a forest, I believe. <coughs> Excuse me, will grow a forest in our, in our souls and in our church. And so let's look. Mark chapter 4, verse 21. It says this. It says, And he said to them, A lamp is brought in to be put under a basket. Uh, a lamp is brought in to be put under a basket um, or under a bed and not on a stand. Nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, now last week we talked about parables, and you know Jesus has made this shift in teaching, right? And and he's 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 teaching parables, and, and what we saw last week is that the parables that he's using to teach, one of the reasons that he's doing this is because it naturally creates this this um, separation, for lack of a better word, right? That that those who want Jesus and those who want to know more about Jesus, when he teaches about parables. And he says, if you have ears to hear, let them hear. And eyes to see, let them see. And they look and they're like, I, I ain't got those. So I'm going to go to Jesus and find out what in the world did you mean when you said this? And so what he's doing when he's teaching these parables is he's giving people this invitation to come to him and to continue to come to him. And, to, and as a matter of fact, we saw that that was the good soil, right? That the good soil are those people who continue to come to Jesus. And so, so that's, that's his idea, and, and they would come to him with these questions and ponderings and ideas about what he said. And, and, and we see that this is a common technique in teaching that Jesus used. Now, this is what an ancient lamp would look like. Like, this isn't an ancient lamp. I got it on Amazon for $10. Um, you can, too. It didn't even come from an ancient land. I think it came from Wisconsin. But... Um, uh, but somebody made it, and they made it to look like an ancient lamp. And, 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 and this is what an ancient lamp would look like. When Jesus talked about a lamp, you know, we might picture the Pixar lamp jumping up and down, right? We might picture the lamp in our living room. This is the kind of lamp that Jesus was talking about. And what they would do is they would take and put oil in this part, and then a wick or a piece of string would stick out of this part that would absorb the oil, and they would light it here. And so when Jesus is talking about a lamp, He's talking about this, this thing that has an open flame, right, that would provide light. Now, here's what's interesting about the parable. Is he says, you know, is a lamp made to be put in a basket, right? If you've seen an ancient basket, what are they made out of? Like straw, dried up reeds, right? Now, I, I'm not like a scholar. But would you put an open flame under dried up reeds? No, yeah, probably not. Probably not, right? Like, like, like he, he even talked about you put it under a bed. Like their beds were made of dried up straw if they were that lucky, right? Would you put an open flame under a hay bale? No, why? Because what's going to happen? It's going to catch on fire. Right? And, and what Jesus is saying is that, is that this light of God, right, is meant to provide light, not destruction. 
right? And if it's put in the wrong place, Jesus, Jesus is telling us that this tells us something about God. That our God is not a God, a God who hides his light, right? He's not a God that puts it under a basket, that puts it under a bed where it would be in the, in the wrong place at the wrong time and cause all kinds of destruction. That our God is a God whose light is available for all to see. That God's light is meant to push back the darkness, right? It's not meant to be hidden, that the kingdom of God isn't hidden, that it's meant to be a light, a light for all those to see. And so this is kind of the first thing we need to understand about the parable that Jesus is teaching is that this truth, number one, is that God's light is not a hidden light, right? God's favorite game is not hide and seek, his light is there and available for everyone to see. His kingdom, his truth, his, his character, these things are not hidden. Look at the next parable. Uh, verse 24 says this, And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more would be added. For, those, uh, for, for the one who has, more will be given. But for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now here Jesus uses a different picture. Like, like, and that's part of what parables were. He would take common things that the people understood and he would use them to teach a biblical truth. Now this is one that would be lost on us, right? Unless, unless you go to farmer's market a lot or farmer's market type places, it would be lost on us. Because what he's doing is he's taking this common experience of people using a measuring cup, right? Because when people would go to market, it's very different than today. You can't, you, you didn't go to the store and buy an already made, individually wrapped muffin, right? Like you would go and you would buy the ingredients to make muffins. I don't think they made muffins then, but you know, whatever they made to make bread. And so you'd buy flour. And flour didn't come in already packaged, ready to go containers. Oftentimes flour was in, in large bags or it was in, in these big baskets, right? And shop owners, when you're going through the market, would take and they would scoop it out and you would buy it by the scoop. And what Jesus is saying is that, is that, is that this is kind of like that. This parable is kind of like that. You know, when you go to the market and a person is very generous with their scoops, right? Like they give you a scoop and it's like heaping over and they charge you for that scoop. The same thing as the other guy, uh, other person down, the, down the, the street charges you and they don't even fill the whole scoop up. They give you less than you deserve. But there are some people that give you more than you deserve. And if you watch the crowd at the market, guess where they're going to go? They're going to go to the person who's really generous with their scoops, right? And so as Jesus is telling this, everybody's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And he says, God is the same way with what you hear from him. That if you listen with, with really big scoops, God will keep giving bigger and bigger scoops. And if you listen with little bitty scoops, then that truth of God will also begin to trickle. And Jesus is telling the students to, to pay attention to what you hear. Like in our house, our dog, Addie, she loves it when Luke feeds her. Right? Because guess what he does? Generous scoops. Right? Like her tail wag, she loves it. He doesn't make her wait or anything, right? Me, because I pay for it, I level that thing off, right? I don't give her less, but I'm not 
I'm not generous with it, right? Like Jesus is saying, in, in, in the way God works, like, like this same thing applies. If you hear in big scoops, big scoops of truth will be given. If you listen in little scoops, you know, because that's how he starts off. He says, pay attention to what you hear, right? Pay attention to what you hear. If you, if you listen in little scoops, then little scoops of truth will be given. And what Jesus wants people to know, right, is that our response to God's truth, our response to God's word, our response to God's revelation matters. And so this is the second truth for us to understand is that your response to God's truth matters. Right? So our God is not a God who hides his truth. He's not a God who hides his light. And your response to that matters. Remember last week we talked about the, the, the parable of the, good, of, the, of the different soil types, right? And the good soil was the person who receives truth from Jesus. And then remember at the very end I talked about the word that's used there is, is this picture of the person who actually keeps receiving truth. It's not a one and done, but a person who keeps coming back to Jesus to learn more, who keeps coming back to the word of God to learn more and to judge the world by what we see in God's word, not by what we see on the news or not what we see online, but to, but to look at the world through this lens, Right? And what Jesus is saying is that when he speaks, we keep on receiving. And when we do, we keep getting more. And when we don't, instead of the faucet pouring God's truth, it just trickles God's truth. And now here at Fellowship, we like to say life change is best measured in years. Certainly not days, certainly not moments. <laughs> Right, Because any given day, any given moment, you can be up and down in your spiritual life. But what we like to do when we take people through discovery and through membership is to say, okay, what does your life look like this whole entire year of your spiritual walk? What kind of trajectory do you see? Right? What kind of pattern do you see in your life? Right? What does the yearly snapshot look like? Do you see a consistent pattern of being with Jesus? Do you see a pattern of consistency? Even if, even if you don't experience these great highs and, and, and these low lows, is there, is there this pattern of consistency? Or do you see a pattern of complacency over the last year? Do you see a pattern of, of excuses? Of like, I'd love to read my Bible, but I'm not a morning person. I'm not particularly a night person either, and I don't have time during the day, so... There's that, right? Like, what do you see as you look at the entire year? Do you see a continued pattern of pushing God back or welcoming him in? You see, whatever your pattern is, that's what Jesus is saying is your response matters. It matters. Let's look at the third truth. In verse 26, it says this, And he said... The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and he sleeps and and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first first the blade and then the ear and then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts the sickle because the harvest has come. Right? Now Jesus often talks about the kingdom of God as he's teaching and this phrase or concept, like 
the, the, the idea of what is the kingdom of God has been talked about and debated like tons of ink has been spilt on it. And, and I, I mean, it's nuanced, but it's also very simple. When Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, he's saying, hey, this is the, this is the way life works in God's house, right? Any, any, of, any of you families, any of you even singles, you have like rules for your house? Like when I was single, we had a chore chart. I don't want to brag. I think I was the only one that followed it because I created it. But we had it, right? We had rules. And in and, and, and family, we, we have certain rules that we, that we follow. And this is when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. And he, God he's saying, this is, this is the family of God's rules, right? Like if I were to talk about the kingdom of the bakers, which sounds pretty lofty, but my phone does refer to me as my king, so there's that, um, uh, which is actually really fun um, because nobody else does. But uh, so at least my phone does. But if I were to talk about the kingdom of the bakers, right, and I were to say this is the way things work in the kingdom of the bakers, you would understand, one, that I'm very arrogant, but two, that there are certain rules that I'm talking about. This is the way life works at our house, right? This is how we live. When Jesus talked about it, he's letting people know this is the way life works in God's economy. This is the way life works in the family of God. And if you are a follower of Jesus, that's you. And that's why it's really important to pay attention when he talks about the kingdom of God. He's talking about the family rules that apply to us. Right? And to help us understand what the kingdom of God is like, Jesus uses this picture of a farmer. But he plants a seed, but he doesn't know what in the world happens underground. All he knows is that he puts a seed in the ground, waters it, it gets sunlight, the rain falls, like he plants it at the right time of year. He does his part, but somehow, somehow that seed grows into a blade. It pops up out of the ground. Any gardeners here so excited when you see those first little sprouts come out of the ground, right? And then it grows into this plant, and then finally it grows, and it becomes time to harvest. And, and the farmer takes the sickle to it and harvests it and gets to eat it and gets to enjoy it and sell it and, and, and do what, what, whatever the farmer would do with it. And Jesus uses this picture of a growing seed to help us understand this third truth, right? That, that, that yes, God's light is available to all. Yes, our response to it matters. But this also, truth number three, that in God's kingdom, God's purposes will be fulfilled God's way, even if we don't understand it, right? There's something that happens with that seed in the ground that we don't understand. All we know is that, that with, with, with water, with sun, with the right time of year, that seed is, is like magic. All of a sudden, it turns into this plant. And he's saying the kingdom of God is that way too. There are going to be things that God is doing that you don't understand. But you have to trust that he's working. You have to trust that he is doing it. Anybody going through anything in your life and you don't understand what in the world God is doing? Like Jesus is talking to you and saying, trust that that seed is changing into something incredible. All right, now here's why this is important for us to understand, that these three understandings, that's the seed, right? That's the seed in our fist. And what do we do with it? 
What do we do with the fact that, okay, okay, I get it. Like, God's light is available to all. It's available to me that my response matters. I'm, I'm, coach, put me in. Like, I'm, I am in the game, right? Like, I am here. And that I know that there'll be things that happen that I don't understand. I'm cool with that. Like, like what happens next? Because, see, I think our response to this truth determines if this seed grows into a forest or not. Because look at verse 30. I love this. I love that Mark captured this. In verse 30, it says this, And then he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall I use for it? So Jesus goes like this. He's sitting there with everybody, and he's talking about it. He's like, huh. All right, what can I talk about next? Right? Like Jesus ponders for a moment. And I love this, because you'd like to think that Jesus, you know, being God and all, like, would know exactly what he was going to say, when he was going to say it, because he's all-knowing. But here we see the fact that Jesus would pause. And in many sense, he would read the crowd, right? And be like, what do they need right now? Right? What do they need? And so he ponders. And when he does, he's already been thinking about planting. He's been thinking about seeds. Let's Let's see what he says. In verse 31, he says, as he talks about the kingdom of God, he says, It's like a grain of mustard seed, which was sown in the ground, and it is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Right? So what he does is he's like, okay, they they need something else. What's the smallest thing that they know about? Now, I think Jesus knew about atoms and molecules, and, and here's a test. Do y'all remember what a mitochondria is? What is it? Powerhouse of the cell. It's like the only thing we ever learned in high school. And everybody knows it, right? Like it's crazy. It is this one thing that, that unifies every American, that the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell, right? right? Jesus knew about mitochondria, but he's like, yeah, they, they won't know that. Let's see. Let's, let's talk about a seed, the smallest seed that you've ever seen. In their world, it was, it was the mustard seed, right? If you haven't seen a mustard seed, it is a really small seed. It is about the size of, of if you dot your eyes, you write, or when you type, it's about that size. It's, it's, it's very small, looks like a period at the end of a sentence. It's, it's very small. And so Jesus talks about this really, really small thing. Look at verse 32. And he says, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the other what kind of plants? All the other garden plants. And it puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in, in its shade. Y'all, let me ask you, have you ever seen a mustard plant? Right? Like, I googled them. Here's what's interesting about a mustard plant. The largest that it can grow is a small tree. And like, that's the largest. And when I say small, I mean like this big of a tree. Oftentimes, it's harvested when it's still a shrub, really small, right? Right, because Jesus is talking about a garden. He's talking about the smallest seed that we know, and he says it grows into the largest plant in the garden. If you think about a garden, that's still pretty big, right? And Jesus is saying, like, like, like listen to, to what Jesus is doing here, because he's talking about the kingdom of God. Now, when I say kingdom, what do you think of? Right, from our perspective, when, when I say kingdom, what comes to your mind? What? Authority, right? Like, like 
castles and land and big things, right? Like a king has, has authority, right? That's, that's what we're thinking of. Well, what's interesting is Jesus, and he could have talked about big things. They understood empires and they understood rulers. And, and Jesus, when he's thinking about the kingdom of God, he goes, hmm, let's talk about something small for a moment. As a matter of fact, let's talk about the smallest thing that you know of. And it's this little mustard seed, Right? Jesus didn't think about the largest thing. He didn't ponder about those when he pondered about the kingdom of God. He he thought about something small, the smallest seed. And he thought about how that seed, gets this, grows into a shrub. A useful shrub. Right? When teaching about the kingdom of God, In this moment, Jesus talks about the usefulness of the kingdom of God, not the bigness of it. That it provides shade, it provides food, it even provides rest for the birds of the air. But at its very best, it's nothing super impressive. At its very best, it's something useful and it's something that's needed but it doesn't have a whole lot of wow factor, right? It's a shrub in a garden. Granted, it's the biggest shrub in the garden, but it's still a shrub in the garden. That God's kingdom is not built on power. And he's saying this under the shadow of the Roman Empire, which was all about power. That God's kingdom is not built on big things. That God's kingdom, that our family rules, about how God uses very small things, right? That it's a kingdom which has and will continue to change the world, but it'll mostly do it through unimpressive people, unimpressive programs, particularly if people are looking at it through the lens of the Roman Empire, right? It'll do it through simple people doing simple work, faithfully, and consistently God's way. That if you expect God's kingdom to be about power and to be about pizzazz, then you're going to be incredibly disappointed. And so there's a response in this, which Jesus is is leading to, I think. And I think it matters deeply when we see these three truths that that are this seed, that, that, that our response, that when this seed of God's truth, that God's light, is it hidden that our response matters, right? Um, um, in that, um, I just lost the third one. What is it? Who took notes? Yeah, that's it. God's kingdom, God's purposes work God's ways even if we don't understand it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Note takers. As Matt says, Jesus point for you. <laughs> Points don't matter. Grace does. All right. So we take those three things and if we plant them in the soil of humility... A forest grows. Like when we respond with humility, right, that we let God work God's way, all of a sudden this forest of the gospel grows. And so the question for us, are we willing to be a humble people? Are we willing to trust that God is working in ways that we don't understand? And now are we willing to be a consistently humble people? Can I boil this down for you? Because in America, like, like we love big things, don't we? Right? 
Anybody here wish Jesus would have used like, like maybe a mustard seed, but maybe a small seed, but turns into a redwood, right? Anybody seen a redwood? like a tree big enough you can drive a car through, a tree big enough that, that, that when you stand next to it, you look like the mustard seed, right? Like, like it's this huge thing. And man, if Jesus would have said like, here's a seed and guess what? It turns into a redwood tree. It's not only bigger than the garden, it takes over the garden. Not only does it take over the garden, like, like, like people can drive, we could sell emission tickets to this thing, right? Like we can make money for the garden that's not there anymore because there's this big redwood, right? Like there's something in us that wants God's kingdom to be big and wants God's kingdom to be powerful. But here's what Jesus is saying. We don't do well when we look for a redwood when God's giving us a shrub, right? Can I give you a different example? It's summer. Everybody's taking vacations, right? Your friends went to Greece, and you're looking on the socials, and you see their perfect bodies on a perfect beach eating perfect food at this perfect resort, and you're going to Myrtle Beach, <laughs> right? Am I hitting close to home here, right, right? And with your not healthy body, and the only thing you're going to eat comes out of brown water that's fried brown so that it tastes good, and you dip it in something to make it taste even better, right? Like, like, like this is your vacation, Right? Yes. But they got to go to Greece. See, we look for redwoods when God gives us the shrub. And when we do that, we miss the fact that God's shrub is an incredibly useful and powerful thing when we realize it's God at work. Right? How about this one for a younger crowd? Like, your friend at school gets the new iPhone or whatever the new thing is, and you got your dad's hand-me-down from work, right? Or they get the, like the, the holy grail of Lego sets, the Death Star, right? And for your birthday, you got the holiday camper from Lego City that was on sale at Target, Right? <laughs> It's true, y'all. It hurts. It hurts, right? Because we're looking for redwoods when God gives us these shrubs. Can I tell you what destroys humility on any given day, any given time? Comparison destroys humility. All the time. All the time. When we look at what God is doing in our life compared to the life of another, we experience sadness and despair when we compare. When we compare, we look for redwoods and we miss the incredible work of God in the shrubs of our life. But here's what humility does. And y'all, this is why it's so important. Humility allows us to work with Jesus in those small places and small ways. That's what humility allows us to do. It allows us to see even the slightest truth of God lived out in our spouse and celebrated, right? It allows us to let our kids be the kids that God has created them to be instead of the kids we want them to be. 
right? Humility, humility based on, on the truth of Jesus and based on the gospel allows us to, to see the creativity that God has given us in this world around us. It, it allows us to see an open door and a conversation with a person who doesn't know Jesus, that maybe this is an open door to, to talk to them about my relationship with Jesus. Maybe this is an open door to simply ask them a question of, hey, how are you doing? And can I pray for you? And y'all used to, our office used to be in the Flatiron Building, and, and the offices for the early girl were right across the hallway from us. So I got to know some of the, some of the staff that worked there and, and, and some of the people that worked there. And there was one day in particular that one of the managers, she was just having a hard day. And like, we had had conversations. I knew a little bit about her, but I, rem- I like, I mean, she's like crying, having a hard day. And she's standing outside the office and I'm like, either she's lost her key, like, I have no idea. And I was just like, hey, how are you? And she said, not good. And she talked about workers didn't show up and all this stuff, and she was feeling the weight of it. And I just said, you know, I don't know where you stand on this, but would it be okay if I just pray for you? I was like, I'm not going to like pray over you and do a dance or anything like that. Like, I just want to mention your name to God. Are you okay with that? She said, please do. And it opened a door. And so I didn't even pray for her then because I could tell like that would make her uncomfortable. So I just went to my office and closed the door and prayed for her. We then saw her the next day and she was like, my day got better. Like, like she just talked about how it just lifted something in her. It was an open door. You get, to, you get to see those with humility. I didn't let all the crazy stuff that she had told me up to that point about her life impact that moment. I saw this as the shrub that God placed. You see, when, when humility is there, we get to cheer the person on who gets what we want. When humility is there, we get, to, we get to celebrate the person who's better at us than the thing that we're really good at. You see, this kind of humility can bring us into what God is doing in the world instead of us wanting to make our own way in the world. So can you see how humility takes this seed of truth, these three truths, and grows them into a forest? Can I, can I pull in a little current issue real quick, and then I'll be done, almost. I've got two more verses, but it's really quick. Supreme Court decision this week. Big decision, right? And I think, this is, this is my view, right? I think it's the right decision for many reasons. I really do. I I believe life starts at conception. I believe in babies being born. So, so hear me on that. Because what I'm about to say next, you might think, what, where in the world does he stand? So I want to be clear. I think it was the right decision. I think it was 50 years too late. But I think it's the right decision. I think babies need to be protected. But if we, as the people of God, celebrate a Supreme Court decision, and we judge and condemn the person that's sitting in front of us with an unplanned pregnancy, church, we screwed up. We're, we're looking for redwoods when that person is the shrub that God has placed in front of us. Y'all, I have never met a woman considering abortion 
that isn't in crisis. Now, maybe you have, but I haven't. I have yet to to meet a person or to hear a story of where an abortion was done out of convenience. It was done out of crisis. And I don't know about you, but I don't make good decisions in crisis. It's why we have the the Mountain Area Pregnancy Services. Y'all, because of your generosity, we're giving them $5,000 to upgrade their security system because they need it. I don't know if you've seen what they've been under, but they need it. If you judge and condemn the person in front of you and you celebrate the Supreme Court, you're looking for a redwood and you've missed the shrub right in front of you. Humility allows you to see this this person as a person, not a political statement, not um, uh, 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 whatever, but it's a person in front of you that needs the compassion of Jesus because it is the kindness of God that leads to repentance. That's what humility allows us to do. And so then Jesus finishes off, Mark finishes off Jesus' teaching with this and said, and with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. And he did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. And again, it's this idea that we keep learning with Jesus. Right? We get to see God work in and through us, no matter the, the, the size of it. Like, like No matter how big, how small it is, we get to see exactly what it is, the incredible work of God. And so this week, here's what I want you to do. Do me a favor, and I want you to notice when you compare. Who are you comparing yourself to? What are you comparing yourself to? And just acknowledge it. And ask yourself the question, what would humility look like in this? Are you looking for a redwood and missing the shrub that God is providing? And then pray to Jesus what, to tell you what humility would look like in that moment. Deal? All right, let's pray. Jesus, you're worth it, Jesus. Um, you're worth struggling with, with pride and self-righteousness to, 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 to let that be small so that our humility can grow and, and grow in you. And, and God, I pray that you would do that. I pray that you would make us a humble people. Lord, that we can celebrate uh, what you're doing in the world and we could, we could celebrate the big things that you are doing because we certainly know that you are but that we could also embrace and we could connect with those small things that you're doing in our life and in the lives of those around us. In Christ's name I pray, amen.